Welcome to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, the former number one Game of Thrones podcast in the realm, now bringing you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs by me, Ross Bolin, and my dear friend, Mr. Barrett Dudley Barrett, speak to the people. Oh, man, I'm just, I'm feeling really good this week because, because I've got this really good idea that I think is going to make me very successful and definitely will not fail. I'm, a, I'm launching a new media company. Oh, good. It's going to be all about online content. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. And I'm going to hire lots and lots of staff writers. Yes. And nothing is going to go wrong with this plan. No, 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 no. It'll be fine. Because Facebook never changes anything. Ever. About how they distribute and 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 prioritize content. It is known their algorithm has never, it's changed, never changed since launch. Yeah. And so I just, people are, are just thirsty for like a, a new type of website that they can go to and like read it. They want to you know, read. They want to read, especially reading. They especially really, reading. really want to read. Yeah, they definitely. Yeah, they want to read, and then they want to pivot to video, and then they want to go back to reading. <laughs> yeah, and then just, uh, just uh, then you know, uh, maybe we'll just shut it down and just make it all Instagram accounts. But you know, uh, if only there were any, there was anybody in this room that could speak to experiences with this type of thing. I know. Fuck. Ah. Fucking shit, we shouldn't have worked at the zoo <laughs> for all those years instead of we were zoologists in the on, in our past life. No, we do have experience with this sort of thing. It's going to make talking about today's secession episode a they, lot of fun. Dude, they were they were so like their timing was just perfect on the on on this episode. And I'm I'm really excited to talk about yes, it. Yes, I am I am as well. Uh we're also going to get to talk about uh what oh, we've got story time with Barrett. You're going to yep, yep, you're going to yep. tell us some sort of Story I actually haven't been briefed on this. No, nope, like, I didn't brief you on it. I can't. I can't make any promises about the story, but I'm probably hyping it up too much now. It's very. Well, it's actually. Hype. It's actually a short story, but it you know it could lead to some interesting. Oh, stuff. Hold on, let me let me get the horn. Beep, 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 beep. There, there it is. Oh, good, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, we've got Lion King. I went and saw the Lion King. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Got all kinds of good stuff in the rundown today. Let's get it. This episode of OCC is brought to you by Quip, makers of the greatest toothbrush to ever exist, which will change your entire fucking mouth. Packing your toiletries, it somehow always involves a delicate game of stacking and space hacking. And don't get me started on lotion exploding all over your dop kit or whatever. You hate to see it. You do. It's just not the way you want to start your vacation. That's why Quip electric toothbrushes work just as well at home as they do on the go. The compact and wireless design tucks easily in the corner of your carry-on or in your back pocket if you're just spending the night somewhere or whatever. Plus, the travel-ready cover protects your brush from sandy swimsuits and luggage slip-ups. It just slips right over the top. You can also use it to store it in, as like a stand. It's incredible. It sticks to things. It's got an adhesive side. Love adhesive things. Uh, it's got a three-month battery life. It's actually really impressive. It will last through an entire season filled with weekends away. And they're making it easier than ever to keep up with your wake-up and wind-down routine when you're out of office. Sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean that's gentle on your sensitive gums because people brush too hard and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive and that's bad for you and your teeth and your enamel. Enamel? Enamel. Enamel. Mm. (laughs) Enamel. It's the enamel that animals have. That's on their teeth. Correct. Everybody knows that. It's science. Uh, my favorite feature, though, the timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and help you to get a clean and even whole freaking mouth brand spanking new feel. That's what you want. Same type of deal when you leave the dentist. That's what you'll get when you use Quip every single time because 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly. That but The little timer that pulses every 30 seconds, huge. It's been huge for my grill, Barrett. 
Grills. Great, great track by Nelly. My shining grill. Yeah, Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. Kevin McAllister approved. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals. They have thousands of verified five-star reviews. That's why I love Quip. I'm pretty sure you will, too. I'm very confident in that. Quip starts at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash dragon right now, you get your first refill pack for free. Those refill packs are incredible. Brush heads automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. It's a friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh to stay committed to your oral health. Too many of us use old, worn-out bristles that are ineffective. Go to getquip.com slash dragon now. First refill pack free. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash dragon. Barrett, what's on Patreon? Let's talk about Patreon a little Let's bit. Let's talk about we, Patreon. Before sure, you tell your story. Okay, all right. Let's talk about Patreon. Okay, all This right. month. It's our premium subscription offering, ad-free, super affordable, where you can get three or four additional ad-free episodes of OCC every month. This month, what are we doing, Barrett? Well, right now, we are in the middle of watching the first season of Fleabag. Just finished it. We just finished it. Oh, it's hot. After we finish this podcast, we're actually going to record our our third Patreon episode of the month, where we'll be diving into the back half of that first season, three episodes. Yes, sir. Uh, this is a very, very uh, critically acclaimed show. It's also very popular. And and we're, we're watching season one. Mostly because season two is widely considered the best, one of the best things of 2019, and we had a lot, a lot of people reaching out to us asking us to cover it. So we're starting from the beginning, you know, as oh, as, yeah. as we should, as is tradition. Uh, and if you if you are if you've not watched Fleabag, or if you have and you you ready to hear our just super insightful and incredibly intelligent takes on it, then Patreon.com/slash/OystersClamsCockles is exactly where you can do that. In our middle tier, in our middle tier, for just $5, you'll get both of those episodes. Plus, you can also listen to our movie club of the month. Ooh, what movie did we watch Where we saw Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was a vivid discussion. It was. Very good discussion. And you know what? I'm pretty sure that we'll come back to it. Because one of the things that we talked about on this podcast, not to give too much away, but... We mentioned how, how like, would, would it be an awards contender? We did. We and did. The, the initial thought was that it was going to... It was going to fly under the radar. It was going to get overlooked, right. et cetera. It, it, no, it's definitely getting nominated. It's It might win. So you've seen the the hype build up to that the, level? The hype has built, yes. See, it grew on everyone just like it grew on me, which is yeah. something you'd know if you listened yeah. to the episode. I, I don't want to say too much more than that. You'll have, to, you'll have to check it out. And then for our OGs, and you can become one, you can become a real one in the Mollusk Militia. Oh, yeah. You're going to get our fourth extra special patreon episode next week you. where we're taking hotline calls exclusively from members of the mm the mollusk militia yeah yeah they about, have their own about, hotline about anything you want fleabag once upon a time in hollywood breaking bad <laughs> sure succession whatever man we'll talk about it we will movies tv shows whatever you've been watching everyone in the mollusk militia the hotline is there for you the mollusk militia hotline you know the number it's on patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles where you can find everything else barrett just told you about in august and then uh, we'll be announcing next month's you know content offering when the time comes yes let's do some story time with okay barrett. story time all right it's it's a relatively quick story it's actually somewhat related to patreon oh and once upon a time in hollywood is, so is it this past weekend I, uh, I I had my live fantasy football draft, and it was in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Louisiana. About half of the league 
is based in Houston, so it's a very it's a quick jaunt for them. Sure, sure. But I know how I get on sa- on Sundays after these things. I don't want to be in a car for six hours. Oh hell no, Barry. You know what I mean. So I decided to fly. Mm. So uh, it's a good move. Pro move. I'm back back in Austin on Sunday. Okay. And I am exiting the airport, and I walk by, and I'm just you know walking by the gates, and one of the flights that's boarding very hustly and bustly at this gate. It's going back to LA. There's panic. A lot, a lot of people just, you know, looking to get on that flight, you know? Sure. Just the glitter, real glitterati, you I'm know? I'm trying to imagine. I'm, what I'm imagining is like a Walmart about to open on Black <laughs> Friday. And you, like, if I saw that at an airport, I'd be like, what the fuck is on that plane? Can't so I, I noticed that and I keep walking. And as I'm walking, I glance to my left and walking towards the gate is Margot Robbie. Nuh uh. Yeah. Damn, dude, you just been keeping this to your fucking self this whole time. <laughs> I when, was saving. When, it, I had to save this for the pod. What the fuck? When was this? On this past Sunday. You saw Margot Robbie? Yes. In person? Yes. Like from a walking past you for, type we, of distance. We, we walked right past each other. And what was her aura like? Did it touch it, you? It, it was. I, I'm telling. I'm telling you what. Could you she, feel the glow? I could. I really could feel the glow. And holy shit, she was walking. Barrett, I'm a rat. She was walking very quickly, <laughs> but like. It didn't, you know, I'm, I'm Sunday hungover post-fantasy draft weekend brain, and it, like, it didn't, it obviously, like, did not click with me. Like, I looked up, and I was, I, my mind just goes, that's Margot Robbie, and then my mind goes, holy shit, that's Margot Robbie. Yeah. And I, tur- I turn around, I turn around, and, like, just to, like, see her walking away, and, like, you know, I've, I've done this huge double take, basically, and as I spin my head back around, I lock eyes with, like, this group of bros, like, two or three dudes. Yeah. Who were just nodding at me and smiling, like, <laughs> "Yeah, dude, that's Margot Robbie." <laughs> wow! And uh, you know, I like about fifteen feet behind her was her husband, who was carrying every single bag. Okay, I love like, that. Like wheeling two suitcases and had like two like messenger bags strapped to him. Did he have like a small dog and under one arm? No, I didn't see a dog. I didn't notice one. And oh. she was like briskly walking towards the gate, and it had to have been this flight back to L.A. Damn, dude! Um, I can't even, honestly, was, I can't believe she flies commercial. Dude, based on all the different private jet type of fucking Uber situations and I don't, they and have, I don't know what she was doing in Austin, but it, huh. it was it was cool to see. She was uh, very attractive, obviously. She's a beautiful and lady. Th- this is you. You kind of feel like this gets said about a lot of people in Hollywood in general. Yeah, but she was she was she was very petite. She was much smaller than I would have really thought. You know what's funny? I don't. I feel like she's prop. I feel like she's probably five six, maybe. You know? Okay. Maybe, but she kind of comes off as like five seven, five eight. Five eight is what I would have guessed. And now I'm not sure. I think she's like maybe five foot five or shorter. You know what's funny is the most the most recent famous person I saw is uh, Kate Upton, and I got to stand like three feet away from her. I felt her aura. Uh, it entered me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Enormous person. Huge. Yeah, I mean, oh, she's big. She yes. is a big lady, dude. Like she, I was like, oh, fucking shit. She's very tall. The interweb says that uh, Margot Robbie is five six, which I that could be right, but there might be an inch thrown on there too. I just she was just very like she presents in movies is like pretty. That's what she said. Im- <laughs> as as not, I don't know if she just has presence. You know what I mean? Yes. Which so her like relative diminu- diminutive size was. Slightly surprised. I'm sure if we met, like, or if we saw Amelia Clark, 
I'm sure it would be a similar that, thing. Oh, absolutely. Because she even comes off as small on screen. Yes, yes. But her presence is so fucking big that right. it's like, yeah, but Margot Robbie's one of those where it's a different type of deal. Like, she really does. So it's almost one of the reasons that it wasn't necessary that she speak all that much in that movie. Right. Because, because she, she really does have, like, a presence yeah, to her. absolutely. That is more than just speaking. It's like, yeah. there's scenes in, um, what's the one with her and Leo and- uh, Wolf of Wall Street. In Wolf of Wall Street, where she doesn't say a whole lot, and you're just like, Jesus. Yeah. She owns the screen. Everybody Absolutely. else in there is just talking and you're like, I don't know what's happening. I'm just And I, you know, th- this just, th- this is, I think this is, you know, I'm, I didn't rack my brain too hard trying to think back on anything, but I think this is probably the most famous person that I've ever like, just like walked right by like that. That's tight. So that, that was- We have pre- such a small airport too. It's like a good yeah. one to see a celebrity like Absolutely. That. So that was cool. That's, that's my story time. Uh, Were people know, here, cool though? So, Yes. There wasn't there wasn't any paparazzi. Not that there would be in the Austin airport. Like, are we are we as a city? I don't know this about us. Are we good with celebrities? Or we suck. Austin. Yes, Austin tries to pride itself on not bothering celebrities, on leaving them alone. And it's from it's from like our old heritage as like kind of like a cool kind of low key mu- music getaway, town. A yeah, getaway, the South so by, old school South by vibes. Exactly. So guys like. Matthew McConaughey and Johnny Depp would come back here. Sandra Bullock had a house here. And it was kind of like their low-key, like, urban hang where they, like, wouldn't be bothered by the masses. Yeah, but you don't feel like that's been completely fucking destroyed? No, because because although Austin, you know, is, like, full-on boomtown now, one, a a lot of the transplants are Californians in the first place. So... True. They're the ones that should be most used to it. They already know, yeah. And at the same time, I think everybody tries to keep that collective cool about it. Ah. Like Austin is like too cool to care a little bit. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? I think, I, okay, I'll say this. I, th- I think we're losing that vibe. Maybe. That Maybe I so. love. Yeah. A little bit more and more. Like every day I feel like I meet one more person where I'm like, oh, that fucker doesn't get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. God damn it. There's no way that guy gets it. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, can I bring up one more thing before yes, we move away absolutely. from before we move away from your incredible celebrity sighting that you somehow <laughs> kept away from me this this past three days? Uh, did you ever see I Tanya? No. Okay, that, that one slipped through the cracks for me. I okay. need to see that. Slipped through the cracks for me as well. And then randomly, my father in law put it on for me when we were on we were on like a little family vacation or whatever. Uh, it was incredible. Like she is, uh, it. That's the mo- if you want to know her full blown acting chops, mm-hmm. that's the movie to go watch because she is just next level. She's great. Yeah, that I do need to see that. And she was actually she was nominated for an Academy Award for that. Which yes. speaking of, one more quick spinoff: a teaser trailer released today for a movie called Bombshell. This Bombshell, is eh? Bombshell. This is a movie about. Roger Ailes and the Fox News empire being oh. shaken to its core by the like sexual assault allegations. allegations. And Margot Robbie plays a fictional like a production assistant in the film. And Charlize Theron and Nicole Kidman. But Charlize Theron, or Theron, Theron, I'm not sure. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Charlize Theron plays Megyn Kelly. And like in this teaser trailer, I just thought they had Megyn Kelly playing Megyn Kelly because it is nuts what they did to her like face. To make, she looks exactly like Megyn Kelly, dude. So, it's wild. Okay. She doesn't even look like, she does not look like Charlize Theron in this, in this film, and it's crazy. I have the teaser pulled up for us, the official teaser, and I had seen the, uh, whatever that's called, the frozen image. The, I'd seen the image yeah. from, from this teaser of the three women in the elevator. Right. And 
I swear to God, <laughs> I was like, okay, so Megan Kelly, I'm pretty confident that's Nicole Kidman in the yeah. middle. And then I did not even recognize Margot Robbie either. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not sure who the chick is on the far right, but that's definitely Megan Kelly because, oh my God, <laughs> that's incredible, dude. Yeah, so they just crushed the makeup for her on and this. And also, I don't really know that story or those stories about Yeah, I don't scandal. have much. I don't really either. So I I'm good, super psyched. Yeah, I don't have a good grasp on, for that. on that. Ooh, But uh, yeah, it looks, looks like it could be a good one. Yeah, that's big time, big time. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Made in Cookware. Have you ever wanted to upgrade your cookware to the same pots, pans, and knives as world-famous chefs like Tommy Colicchio, Grant Akatzor, I can't say your name, sir, Brooke (laughs) Williams, but you couldn't justify the investment? We've all been there, and that's why I'm so excited to tell you about this amazing cookware company called Made In. Better tools equal better food, and Made In spends so much time crafting their products because they know better tools make better food. All their pots, pans, carbon steel... And Chef's Knives are made by the best cookware makers from the U.S. and France. Good cookware should be accessible. Made In offers fair pricing and is only sold online, which cuts out high retail store pricing. My wife, Taylor, is the queen of our kitchen in my house, as I have mentioned many, many times. And she is incredibly particular uh, when it comes to cookware. Not everything, honey, just the cookware. And she is so pumped about this sponsorship because she absolutely loves Made In, raves about the quality, absolutely loves the stuff. Shopping for cookware can be confusing. That's why Made In offers a single line of essential pieces, simplifying the process of outfitting your kitchen. Their quality is guaranteed. They offer free shipping, free returns, 24-7 customer support, and a lifetime guarantee on all their products. Take your cooking to the next level today. Go to madeincookware.com slash dragon. Use the promo code DRAGON, 15% off your first purchase, excluding kits. That's M-A-D-E-I-N, cookware.com slash dragon, promo code DRAGON, 15% off your first purchase, made in cookware.com slash dragon, promo code DRAGON. Let's get into Secession, season two, episode two. Yes. What'd you think of the episode as a whole? I don't want to be overly hyperbolic, but... Okay. If this show continues operating at this level for four or more seasons, it's in the Pantheon. It, the chatter is beginning to pick up, isn't it? Uh, I, the, I, I just, I love this show. It's everything about it is incredible. And uh, I, I mean, Kendall, Jeremy Strong's performance at Kendall is just like all t- is just all time all time for me already. Yeah, you know how uh, that first season of Bran as Robot Bran went horribly wrong. The they mm-hmm. just didn't work at all. Yeah, Kendall playing dead inside Kendall is un- unreal. He 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 is going to get nominated for stuff. I think yeah. for, for that performance because that's that dude. That is not. He even said, like, he does not enjoy playing this character. He fucking hates it. Because it's, like, soul-crushing, dude. You have to go to the lowest place you could possibly go within yourself in terms of self-esteem to play that role. Yes. But but that's how much I I loved this episode. Um, It it was certainly anchored by his performance, but everybody on this show is great. And then one of the things... You know, many moons ago when we were talking about uh, Homeland a little bit. Yeah. It's how Homeland always managed to stay ahead of the curve so that when 
their season and episodes dropped, it was somehow just incredibly relevant to like in the, tune the news cycle with what was going what, on. With what yeah. was going on culturally, relevant. and this this storyline with the Valters shut down and the writers attempting to unionize, which <clears throat> I'm sure if you've been paying attention, the Ringer staff just did. Yep. And then there was a massive like hubbub on Twitter about it because Prez at Barstool was like, if you try to unionize, I'll fire you on the spot, which right. broke a bunch of laws. Right. I, I mean, so like just the fact that they like took on new media and unionization and some of this other stuff that felt like a homeland featured moment. in this episode was just like, God, how more relevant could you be? So it was it was well timed and it did add another element this anchored week. Anchored sure. by by super strong performances. Yeah, that, that's so funny that you mentioned that about Homeland. It really was one of the best things about those first couple seasons because dude, it felt so pertinent to what was happening. Yeah. And uh this this was cool about about the Valters situation. It was sad as fuck too to watch. Um obviously this is supposed to mimic like a BuzzFeed or a Vice or whatever publication. And uh, as Barrett mentioned at the top of the show, both of us having worked at a company that was that operated a publication similarly, it was at a much smaller scale. Obviously, this right. was a startup, uh, but we uh, we can confidently tell you they crushed the dynamic with like the office and the writers and the editors and the look of everybody and the yeah. feel of that vibe. That vibe was very real and very sad. Um, and then Kendall having to do what he has to do is obviously super sad because on the very first episode of the series ever, he was doing everything he could to acquire Walter. Right. Like that was his baby. Uh, like overbidding and, and, and taking severe verbal abuse from that founder, Lawrence Yee, the dude that, that's still in, and you know, we're still seeing him now, the CEO, CEO and founder. Uh, but damn, as, as Barrett said, he, the delivery, the performance, the, the dead eyes and the soulless, like, it's funny. It almost like if you watch the uh, the inside the episode or whatever, one of the showrunners speaks to it a little bit. But him now having to be his dad's totally subservient bitch. Yes. Also affords him the ability to operate without malice. Yes. Like, without, is that even the right word? Uh, well, with, with can, without, to some degree, without accountability. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Like, he, you know, the whole, uh, because my dad told me to, Dude, it's basically what is, like- his dead may never die? I, I don't, this wasn't my decision, and I I literally didn't have a choice because going against him means- Your life is over. That, my, that life, my life is potentially over. Yeah. Right. So- Yeah, it, potentially. It, Do yeah. you feel it to be in any way, big little Lizy, that he can't come clean? Did he kill the kid? Um, he jerks the wheel- because there's like a fucking deer or something, right? Right. And uh, as a result, the kid drowns. Now, they would never, ever, ever in a million years be able to put together the forensics that he jerked the wheel. Yeah, this is uh, this is a good point. I think that I think that there is a chance that he would be convicted of something like manslaughter. negligent manslaughter. Right. But with this family's money and power backing him, Right. And the best lawyers in the world, and just you know, basically another rich white dude on on trial for whatever the crime is. Like it's hard to imagine him getting any type of hard time. Yeah, I guess. But I guess I also imagine is part of it tied into his family and his kids and yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, but but let's but I mean, just to continue talking about Kendall because. Mm-hmm. It's it's what really, you know, kind of got the shine in this episode. 
part of me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like kind of suss out where I think his storyline is going. And I thought that one of the things that this episode did, which was interesting, is kind of like uh, w- without, without the pressure of attempting to like overthrow his dad or like make a good impression or, you know, basically like wheel and deal with guys that are better at that. Right. He kind of proved that he is actually good at this business shit. Yes. Like he flawlessly executed an, a ruthless gutting of Walter. Yeah. I mean, just to like perfectly to a T. And I don't know if you could do it as well as he did without ha- having been taken down so many notches that there's nothing left. Right. Exactly. And, I, I, but it got like, you think Roman could have, could have handled that? Hell no. Right. And so there's so there I, is some level I of that. I feel like there's something brewing here where Kendall kind of realized like, s- there's got to be some spark where Kendall is like, hey, I'm actually, I am competent when it comes to I'm with you there. Shit. I think he still has an awareness that he is very, he is still good at this. Because at the beginning, the first, the first episode, you think, oh man, he's done. Like he's dead. Yeah. It's over. But you're seeing these sparks. I felt that too. The exact same thing you're talking about where it's like, you, you feel like, does he have something k- ticking in there? Yeah. So it's, so I, and I don't know, I, I don't know where they go with that. Like, does it lead to some type of thought where he like he, where he can take on his dad again or he's ready for another showdown right. or does it or or does that lead to um a showdown with Shiv because now Roy is reconsidering the the placement or something like that. Right. I don't know, but I I I I'm getting the sense that somewhere episode 4, 5, 6 we get kind of like a turn again from Kendall where he kind of figures out that he he is good at this, he can find leverage. He can find like, you know, the, the, the weak, the, the, the kinks in the armor, the chinks in the armor, the yeah. weak spots in the armor. Yeah. One of those should work. One of those, whatever, <laughs> one of those, it's one of those three. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, I already, I don't even know if it'll take that long. It might be next week when we find out that he's got something going. I don't know if we'll get three more full episodes of full on reek Kindle. I mean, he's so, he's still so drugged out though. Like that's, and even after I don't know even if that's ha- gonna go away. Even after I know, but the whole you've, you're, the whole techno Gatsby thing where he's dude, just it's fucking incredible. <laughs> it's fucking incredible, dude. I'm techno Gatsby. <laughs> Who the fuck would say something like that, dude? Okay, let, can, can we just address that situation real quick? The cousin Greg apartment hunting in Staten Island. First of all, it's it's poking fun at several things. Cousin Greg is obviously the outsider still. Yes. Um, he has weaseled his way into the inner circle of this very, very powerful family, but he is still an outsider in that he has no goddamn money, uh, no status, and uh, can't live where everyone else lives. He doesn't get a penthouse. He's no. not going to get... <laughs> so he's actually having an apartment hunt like a normal person would if they were living in fucking New York, New York City. Right, yes. And he can't afford it. He needs a uh, shoebox in Staten Island yes, that's going to so cost him like $1,900 a month. He goes and we get that sort of, and that's a very real thing. People yeah. in, kids that go try to find jobs in San Francisco and New York City and uh, where else? Where are the worst ones? Well, those are the two very worst ones, right? Did you say San Francisco and New yeah, York City? San Francisco yeah. and Manhattan. Yeah. You You can't. You, it's impossible. It's very it, difficult. So that was hysterical. Uh, and what ends up happening is even funnier. Kendall just gifts him a pad from a series of condos he purchased to flip yep. that were, what was the situation? 
Uh, the basically the <laughs> there wasn't a market for them yet. I think like he basically he bought them on spec. They didn't blow but up. This is what happens. Like this is what happens though. Like in Austin, for instance, right now we're in, we're experiencing a situation where uh, don't ask me why I know this, but we're we're experiencing a situation where there is too much inventory, and as a result, people are having to drop prices a lot. Uh, so are we? It, yes. On the home front or on the rental front? Home front. Don't know about rentals. Um, not a lot. By the way, I just mean people are having to drop prices. Mm-hmm. Everybody across the board. Everybody that I've seen trying to sell a place is having to drop. And uh, when that happens in a, in a commercial real estate situation like that or whatever, a big time type of development with a bunch of condos or some shit where somebody's not going to get the price they want, dudes like Kindle can swoop in, get a really good deal, and then flip them later. Is right. The idea, just sit, right? They can just sit on it. Sit Kendall on. can afford to sit on the properties. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to sit on one by gifting it to Cousin Greg. Yeah. The, of course, I guess, not silver lining. It's like the poop the lining. The opposite of the, the silver lining. The opposite of yeah. silver. What is it, like the black lining? I don't know. The, whatever it is. The rub. It's not good. The catch. Uh, it, it, the catch is that, indeed, Kendall will be using Cousin Greg's new condo whenever he wants to throw <laughs> techno Gadsby parties. <laughs> this is like, dude, what did it remind you of? Anything? It's it's fucking Jesse Pinkman throwing parties in Breaking Bad mm. in his empty at, former aunt, formerly his aunt's house that he now owns. All it's just a bunch of meth heads he doesn't even know. Yeah, he's yeah. just throwing drugs everywhere. Techno music is blaring, and he's wandering aimlessly, dead eyed yes. through the house. Very, and very, that's very exact, nice comparison. Yeah, there. that's where Kendall is at. Except he's digging the fuck out of it, probably because he's on more fun drugs. Jesse was just. <laughs> Jesse was doing the wrong drugs. He should have been doing the drugs like Park Coke, like Kendall does. Park Coke is where it's at, Barrett. I'm gonna go get. I'm gonna go score some Park Coke <laughs> as soon as we're done here. Um, oh my god, that scene fucking crushed me though, dude. That was so funny. He's like, I want to get some sleep. There's some people boning in his room, in his bed. Yeah. And yeah. Kendall, Kendall does not care. Well, here's the question: You're Kendall. You own the series of condos. Party in one of the other condos, <laughs> you fucking asshole. Why? He's just torturing Cousin Greg. Yeah, we'd have to go back and look at the actual... It, he says some stuff about how many I think he, he said he was renting the rest or something. Or, like or yeah. what was going on. But yeah. this might be the only one available. Or he combined several into this massive one. I'm not sure. I don't either. But, I, but, I there, but the others may not be operational or usable at this point for... So he may not be quite that bad. So he bad. might not be quite that bad. I also think it's kind of <laughs> partly... Look, his brother and sister have kind of, he, he's ostracized from them right now. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. Like they have almost like cut him out basically. Yeah, he's almost basically. Because almost you tried to take the company over by yourself essentially. He's, like, he, he's, kicked he that out. betrayed them. Yes. Without telling them, yes. Yeah. So in a way, I think it, he's kind of forcing Greg into friendship as well. Ah. Uh, he has this now to hold over his head, sort of. Or use, well, like, like, to use. I gave you this place, and now I get to come hang out with you at this place. Yeah. And yeah. You but he also it. uses him as, like, his, his errand boy, too. He's just, like, always bringing him right. drugs. I mean, shit. dude, he just needs some type of human connection. That's right? true. Where are his kids? Did she take them? I think she took them. People, they just want to be touched, Ross. But they do. Just <laughs> desperately, desperately need to be touched. 
What what is that from? That we're about it's to talk from Fleabag. Fleabag. Oh, thank you, Barry. If you're, if you're paying all the like, way attention, not, to I was like, us, it's that's, not secession. That's a low key reference to uh, to our Patreon episode this week that so. we will be discussing immediately after this. Not for y'all, but for everybody on Patreon.com/slash Oysters Clams Cockles. Let's talk about Tom's situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he starts his new job, right? And he's real nervous about how he's going to get along with the the lady who runs the newsroom, Peach. Peach. She was like a character out of Entourage. I what, loved it. What has she been in? I don't know. I, I, I thought she was an she, actual news person. She was one of those people where you're like, ah, her. Right, her. right. I couldn't place but her I, either. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite place it. Um, Before we jump in the, but to like his entire situation. Yeah. Before, like, or right, right as, as this show began its first season, there was a lot of talk about like, what it was about and who it could be inspired by or loosely based on. And like one of the names that, that flew around a lot was Rupert Murdoch yes. and that Waystar Royco and what is it? ATT? ATN? ATN? A- yeah. ATN yeah. was kind of a stand in for like Fox News. Okay. And they basically said as much this episode, which I thought was interesting because prior to that, you maybe got the idea. You maybe could like guess that based on the leanings of Logan Roy that that maybe this was like more conservative news but i mean most of these rich billionaires are all this like they kind of all like that no matter uh, yeah, whether I, they own, whether know. they own CNN or Fox or it Fox seems news like you know what the, i mean the billionaires who own media are right but the but billionaires in general i don't typically think of as like conservative leaning necessarily cuz they're so goddamn rich they've passed the point of that you know what I mean though? Yeah. Bill Gates, like, is he a conservative? Like, he gives away all his fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. It hard to say. I, yeah, but, but, okay. There's definitely most Anyways. CEO level wealthy executives I picture conservative. And they basically, they basically acknowledge with like the scene between Greg and Tom about uh, like that, that ATN doesn't really vibe with Greg's <laughs> principles, as he says. And then they have that hilarious exchange. Oh shit! That didn't even click with me. Yeah, correctly. that this they basically say that this is Greg is saying he's liberal and he doesn't he doesn't yes. vibe with the principles. Of, okay, that's yes. fucking hilarious. And Tom is basically like, what 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 the fuck does it matter? What do you care? I guess it's funny because the characters as characters, um, very few conservatives operate or talk like these people do or run around like <laughs> that. You know what I mean in terms of this family? So you I automatically put them in like the fast talking liberal pool. Okay, okay. But you're right. I think yep. that is absolutely the vibe we were supposed to take from that little conversation there. Was right. Like, I just thought it was interesting that they, that they, that they kind of acknowledged it a for little sure, bit. For sure, for uh, sure. But it leads to, I'm, I mean, I, I think it's kind of, it will likely be somewhat relevant to the story here as Peach seems to be very invested in the message that they're spreading and the people that they are appealing to. Yeah, and she insists that and Logan doesn't run the network and those are not his views that they're... That, right, that's also, that's true. Which is another interesting thing. I, I wonder if they will, fr- I don't think that line would have been in there and that little point there would have been in there if they didn't further explore yeah, that at some that's point. True. If we don't find out how much influence Logan has over that exa- exact just network. To, just to continue kind of like digging down into into these uber, uber wealthy people. Mm-hmm. The reason that we can't really figure out like which way they lean is because they they all basically hedge their bets. Right. If you go look at like the donations, like they don't they they all donate to both parties so that no matter who wins, they have an in. So they're almost like 
they almost don't care as long as they still wield influence. Ah, and I, must I, be nice. And most of them, I like. Th- what's the primary concern for most of these people? It's the money, right? Yeah, yeah. So they and how the, much of it's going to get taken away from them by exactly. the government? So that I, I, I do think that most of them lean Go conservative. conservative, even if their social agendas are far more liberal. I believe that a hundred percent. That but makes the, sense. But the playing the both sides of the of the fence thing is I bet definitely. That, I bet it of often it. is vote conservative and then donate like crazy <laughs> to very liberal things like saving dolphins or whatever. Sure. The fuck. Yeah. Dolphins. Do they even need saving? Whales do. Whales definitely. Do. Whales are certainly the bees uh, in need of saving. Bees need saving. The, the bees are dying at an alarming rate, Barrett. It's alarming. Beads. Bees. Are you saying? Are you saying beads? Jug's not on board. Bees. <laughs> yeah, no, Job was not on board. Oh, God, fuck. Well, you want to talk about Arrested Development the rest of the... F- what, yeah, yeah, well, let's just audible. No, no, um, let's not. Um, so, back to Tom. Oh, and Peach. She's a firecracker, by the way. When they butt heads, like, man, she's only about 80 pounds soaking wet, but you can <laughs> you can feel, like, he's fe- he's got a little bit of fear for her. Their conversations with, ends with him saying, fuck you, which I'm pretty sure you can't just say to people in the workplace, but... Whatever. Uh, Shiv then finally tells Tom, because he basically forces her hand, to uh, finally tells Tom that she has been named successor by Logan in secret for now. And Tom's reaction is initially that, oh, that was supposed to be me. Wasn't that our plan for me? It's like he's been so in the dark and he's so oblivious to reality yeah, th- this to me just spoke to, like, I don't know. There, the Shiv wants a marriage with Tom because she can dominate Tom, because she she runs the she, show. She rules the roost. She runs yeah. the show. Yeah, and I, I, like. While in some cases Shiv like has, has you know has her head on the sh- on her shoulders the you know she seems to be the most clear headed the the most capable if you will certainly last week Logan we talked kids, about how yeah. right it, like it was kind of an obvious choice to name the her only successor right it's possible that she's also the most ruthless and the most cutthroat because yeah. she's straight up like everything she says to Tom at this point is very. Um, Vague. It's at the ha- very, they're half truths. If it's not lying, it's at the very least manipulation. Right. Ex- yes. Exactly. Which, like, like the thing you brought up to me after episode one, like that she appoint, she tells him he's going to be head of whatever. Yeah, ATN. Which, by the way, she also wants. Yeah, she wants to kill. <laughs> and and that's very clearly. I mean, she's using him. She's manipulating him. Everybody on the show is using everybody, as my dad put it. Yeah. Uh, because I the point I brought up was, I. Absolutely, do not believe that Logan intends on letting Shiv succeed him. Mm-hmm. The thing he lays out for her is like forty-two months or some fucking. So it's sh- like a three-year plan. Yeah, you come in six months with Jerry, six months with Carl, Hong Kong for say another twelve, Berlin or London, management training for six, come back, spend twelve months alongside me, and when you're ready, I'll step aside. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Yeah. That in no way shows me he actually intends on... He's using her as a fucking placeholder to keep the corporate guys off his back. 
Because remember, the whole thing was if he names a successor, he thinks maybe they'll stop this whole bear hug nonsense sure. that's going on or whatever. Yeah. So he's just using her. But what's crazy to me, her being the most shrewd one, is she doesn't seem to realize that at all. Well, I mean, she's, she says to Tom, like, this is why, like, her conversations with Tom are very, are, are very hard to read because we obviously, I think it's safe to say that Shiv absolutely wants to be the successor. She wants to succeed Logan. Yes. Right. Yeah. But she says, but I don't, I don't really want it. I don't want it. And, yeah. I'm, and he's, it's probably not even real. So like, those are, that's her, a, that's but a her hap- conversation with Tom is the first time we even get a remote inkling that uh, she, the first time she lies about it. Everything else up into that point has been nonstop. Oh my God. You could not be more enthused. She's so on board. I mean, but well, the first five minutes of the conversation with her dad are basically like, this is fake, right? You're joking, right? She doesn't like, even this is not it. real. Yeah. So that's that part I think is definitely true. I think she is I think she is wary of the situation. Ah, uh, that's true. But just like we learned from Dark, your life is unchangeable because you're driven by desire. Yeah. And man, she wants this. And so it's like even if she sees that it could be a setup, that she could be getting used. She's going to go for it anyway because it's something that she really, really wants. Right. So in her conversations with Tom, she's like trying to beat around the bush. She's trying to say that she doesn't really want it and that well, she why? believes that because, – because I think that – I think she's worried that if she tells Tom straight up that she wants it, that she loses like some control over him. Like she needs him to be kind of under the thumb a little bit to okay. feel like they're working as a team when all she cares about is what happened. Like – I guess she interest. can worry about the aftermath when she gets it, yeah. when she takes the gig, which, again, I don't think is ever yeah. going to happen. I mean, it was already a bad sign for her when she got named, because the odds that the first person named were going to be the successor seem fucking low. Now, on top of all that, the, the, being able to pretty clearly see that Logan just named her so that he could have somebody to try to stifle all this uh, uprising that's going on, yeah. It's not good. I, I mean, and look, Tom kind of comes to the same conclusion that we were sorting out last week, which is like, okay, well, right. just play both sides then. Right. You know, have put one hand in each in each pot here. Guys, I'm sorry if all of my idioms have been wrong today. My brain is like not one hundo. Put eat one hand in each pot. <laughs> is a I feel good like one. I feel like I keep like almost getting them but not quite getting them. People I'm, who listen, I'm sure y'all will correct me. People on who listen to RBP are aware that Taylor, uh, my wife, my wife uh, has this is all she does is incorrect sayings, <laughs> and I keep a list of them in my phone, and they're fucking hilarious. Uh, but well, that would I, be like one. Yeah, I think I've added like five today. One so hand I, in each I, pot I, I do, is a very I, good one. What what is is there one like that? There is one like yeah, that. Yeah, right? but it's something like you know keep a ladle in each dreidel or something like that. <laughs> keep a ladle in each pot or something, or a spoon in each bowl. Tom suggests that she plays both sides here, which she agrees to, and which would be the smart decision. And then she's just like immediately consumed by where she really wants to be, right? Which is working her way into the CEO position, and like it completely blows up the situation with Gil. Yeah. So, okay. What? What's your read with that? She first of all, Gil semi creepy. He like the the hand on the small of the back thing was supposed to kind of yeah kind of give us some weird uh, vibes there. Uh, he offers her chief of staff. If he ever makes it to the White House and earlier in the episode, and then she freaks out. 
and she quits, and he also fires her at the exact same time. Yeah. Uh. Well, so what? I didn't really follow. Like, what? What was she so unhappy about? Was it more of like her finding an excuse? It felt like she was just looking for a fight to get out. Yes, that's what I took away from it. Okay, so it didn't really matter what the argument was. It it was going to be her ending with her leaving. Yeah. This is her way of being like, yeah, she she is so amped up and ready for the potential opportunity to succeed Logan that she was looking for a way to to get rid of this excuse, basically. Right. Which is kind of sad because it's it like is. you thought she was the character with the moral split. Like she was off doing the moral thing, serving mm-hmm. the people, getting involved in politics. But no, not really. She sort of used that. And I think it worked to her advantage, or at least thus far. Now she's just being used. I don't know. We'll see where, where she we will. ends we'll up. See, we'll see where it goes. But I do yeah. worry about her. Uh, Kendall telling his dad that he gutted Walter towards the end of the episode. Of course, he's then rewarded for being a good little pet. It's all very funny and also sad. Uh, and then Roman walks in just in time to hear that Logan's like, make yourself comfortable in my office, which I guess is a big enough deal like nobody's ever allowed to hang out in his office or mm-hmm. some shit. And Kendall just goes and sits in that chair. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I Like, couldn't somebody have brought him a laptop or something to use? That, you know? That's what you picked, bro? You went and <laughs> sat in the solo like office desk chair? But I, I guess it also was... You know, you have a note here that he's just like, yeah. it's just like a robot ready to be turned on. He's like, what else am I going to do? It's, I'll go yeah, sit over here in this corner. I'll just corner sit over here and wait. wait. Yep. For you to tell me some other shit. Yep. Dude, that, it's fucking crazy. He's like yeah. the Terminator, but for depressed Wall Street guys. Oh, man. I can't just when that dude spits in his face. By the way, the, <laughs> casting, of, got. the, the casting of that guy, so perfect. The spitter? Yes. Oh, he was great. Yeah. Just Flawless. like a perfect mix His of face, like, dude. Just like, Ugh. yeah, it was a it perfect. Was just, he was just perfectly cast. It was I'm a perfect mix of like it. entitlement and rage. It was just good. It was good. Hey, what was the deal with Kendall uh, casually sh- shoplifting? Is that all you got? Fucking spits right, oh, dude. Gnarly, cold, cold blooded, man. What was the deal with him shoplifting the batteries? Um, and then just tossing them in the trash immediately. So uh, let's talk about that whole final scene as a whole. Okay. I, to this, it, this finally, I joked last week about how if your dad won't let you ride the motorcycle, then just tell him you're fine with the back of the Benz or the Maybach or the, or the Lex or whatever. Right. But Kendall is still on the motorcycle. Such a, just a, you know, nutcase that he like. He's like, no, okay, fine. I'll just ride on the back of the bike with my chaperone. Yes. It it made more sense to me in this scene. Like he like he is so he's so dead inside. He's so he he lacks like any type of pride at this point. Right. That he wants to be on the back of the bike because that's what makes him feel good or cool or where he's you know, supposed to be elicit some thrills or something there's something that he likes about being on the bike maybe it's like and he so thinks he's, ju- he's trash and so he's just wi- so he's just willing to like or or, he, or he's got a death wish maybe you know something like he's just I don't know I just this scene with him pulling over to buy cigarettes and getting on and off the bike I was just like okay I, I get it more now he just wants to be on the bike and he does and the fact that this you know this guardian has to drive it for him is not really of consequence. To uh, yeah, him. I almost take it as more of because like he a, doesn't care. He, yeah, he's so out of control and yeah. just so 
incapable of doing anything for himself now, including driving, that he just needs that. I mean, he's like, fine. It's whatever. That's the thing. I get on the bike. Yeah. This guy drives me. That's it. I go from A to B. Yeah. Like, it has nothing to do with the judgment of it or the stupidity of it or the seemingly dangerous nature of it as well. Yeah. So the the batteries thing. Um, I, it, it, it just fuck the world or what? Kind of. And I also think that I think it kind of had something to do with the guy in his store not paying attention to him huh. or not paying attention to his store, to his property, to his business. Uh, okay. Okay. It's like, if you're going to sit there and watch your soccer game, then fuck you. I'm stealing $8 worth of batteries and chunking them in the trash because you deserve it. Okay. I kept looking for like that deeper thread. I was like, I know it's not just fuck the world. Yeah. There had to have been like a point. Or he wouldn't have done it. And that's, I like that. That's poetic enough for me. Yeah, I, that's that's kind of like the, I don't, again, I don't know if I framed that perfectly, but that's kind of the direction where I was, where it took me. Yeah. It's like he, like, it's basically, if you don't care enough about your business to pay attention, then, Fuck you. yeah, exactly, yeah. Business ethics. <laughs> Uh, my, my dad has started saying fuck off in text messages now. Fuck off. <laughs> it's, it's, everybody loves the show. And I'm telling you, man, that's what I meant. You said, you know, three, four more years like this, that it could be in the Pantheon. I'm starting to feel that buzz of like, oh shit, secession is like, is really doing it because it's every week, every passing episode. You're like, God damn, I love this show. And mm -hmm. that's that, that's when a show is clicking, <clears throat> getting it all right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. Cannot wait uh, for Sunday's episode. Fuck off. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality regardless of your comfort in the kitchen. From step-by-step -step recipes to pre-measured ingredients, you'll have everything you need to get a wow-worthy dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes. If you are incredibly ignorant in the kitchen, uh, like I am admittedly, and you are afraid right now, don't be. Even I, the man who routinely eats like a six-year-old and uh, can only really hashtag cook mac and cheese, I am able to conquer an incredible meal or two with HelloFresh's help and also uh, Taylor as well. Barrett, speak to your experience. Well, I, I, I ha I've fun. had a delicious quesadilla. Dude, we had quesadillas last night. Oh, did you have the HelloFresh quesadilla? Oh, baby, we did it. Yeah, yeah. Nice little, nice little what treat a, there. What a quinky dink. Um... And it's just nice because you can get a meal like a quesadilla and then you get to call it a quesadilla all night, which uh, is both, both fun and annoying. Dilla. Do you know the name for a burger stuffed with cheese in it? Because I didn't know it until my HelloFresh recipe came. Is it a quesadilla? It's called a Juicy Lucy. Oh. That is like the name for a burger stuffed with cheese is a Juicy Lucy. Okay. I had I the like HelloFresh Juicy Lucy. It's erotic. And you haven't had this yet, though. No, I've oh, I've eaten this one. Uh, you've had this as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay. That one they got that one. Whew. Anyway, Whew. just I've just been indulging, man. Juicy Lucy's, quesadillas, the the works, baby. Give it all to me. There's something for everyone, from family recipes to calorie smart and vegetarian and fun menu series like the Hall of Fame and Kraft Burgers. HelloFresh has more five star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you'll get something delicious. They're flexible. Fit your lifestyle that you can add extra meals to your weekly order as well as yummy sides like garlic bread and cookie dough. Very easy to change your delivery days, your food preferences. You can skip a week whenever you want. 
Super, super customizable for $80 off your first month of HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash OCC80 and enter the code OCC80 when you check out. This is like receiving like eight meals for free. HelloFresh.com slash OCC80. Enter the code OCC80. Moving on. Barrett, quickly, before, uh, before we move com- completely away from secession. Yes. I wanted to say, uh, let's have some fun. And, and which characters would make for the best spinoff? Okay. Just because we have such... Look, it's not that I'm asking for a spinoff. I don't think we need any more spinoffs or sequels or prequels. <laughs> I'm just saying hypothetically, these, some of these characters are so rich for spinning off yeah. uh, that I like to imagine what that would be like. So I'll give you my clear cut number one. Okay. And it's Cousin Greg. But just because there's too many ways to go here. Tell me where, tell me how where you're thinking about how how you go with the spinoff in this in this one. Okay, so I think Cousin Greg's obviously going to continue to rise up through the uh, Waystar Royco ranks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and at some point he's going to be powerful enough to be worthy of his own sideshow. Okay, but you could go a million other ways with it. I mean, Cousin Greg pre breaking into the Roy family, like what what he was doing before, more of that would be fun. Sort of, I don't know. I just love Cousin Greg. Yeah. And I think as a character, he's hilarious and tall and gangly enough to keep me uh, paying attention. Okay. Here's here's my top one. And I was trying to think, I was trying to go, I've, I've got three here as well. And my the first one I'm going to give you is like the, the most different than our succession show that I could think of. Okay. Here's a character that I'm finding very underrated. I'm loving every minute that she's on screen and I'd like to see more of her. Hmm. Roman's girlfriend and Tom's ex come in the mouth hookup, Tabitha. Yes. Here's what I'm thinking for Tabitha's spinoff. Okay. Tabitha's a ta- Tabitha's a bad bitch, right? She is. She goes to crazy warehouse parties, right? Yeah. Let me get a modern day Sex in the City with Tabitha at the forefront. Okay. Going around doing crazy hood rat shit with her friends, going to these insane rich people's parties by the docks or wherever that was. Just getting dudes to eat cum. <laughs> I just, I like her. She's very funny. She's clearly, like, intelligent. She's, you know. She needs more screen time. She needs more screen time, you know. Um, And I I just, I feel like her, I don't, yeah, we don't really know, like, how or why her relationship with Roman quite works. Right. Right now. Like, he clearly knows who who and what she is. Yeah, so I would just like to know a little bit more about her and kind of how she came up and then kind of get into this modern day, like, like what's she doing on the reg? What is her day to day like? Right. How many of these parties does she go to? What are the who are the people that frequent these parties? And you know, I, I'm just I'm picturing something fun with her. Gotcha. You speak, speaking of Roman, I think he would be a fun one because don't you kind of get the feeling that Roman probably gets into some ridiculous hijinks, a la uh, his brother Kendall. But we're focused on Kendall as a, as the main character, sort of like. Roman definitely does drugs and shit and is a terrible person. So it, it's, this, it's not exactly a spinoff, but if you were just to convert Succession into other shows that it could be, right? this could be like a 30-minute business comedy where Roman just does stuff like uh, blow up the, the Japanese um, satellite yeah, and then the Curb Your Enthusiasm music yeah. plays. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it could be just the Roman doing dumb, doing dumb shit that is not good for business. How does this idiot still legitimately think he's like waiting in the wing with a real shot? Entitlement. That's all the only thing keeping him keeping him around. You know who my sleeper pick for a spinoff is? Is Connor Roy. 
the loser brother from another mother from from Logan Roy's first marriage. Uh, like maybe a prequel of him before he became so washed and apathetic or something because he's well now I guess he's trying to run for president I guess that's not quite so apathetic it's just inc- incredibly delusional that he thinks he has even a shot in hell and I, I cannot wait to find out how much money he shits down the toilet uh, <laughs> trying to run for president but like I'd like to know what did he do to get to the point where he was so out of the running that he's just not even considered in any conversation yeah like yeah. what happened there with this fucking guy? Yeah, I don't know. I you know, it's I think it's just his like his general distance from because think about it. Like in the videos that we see, you know, the home the home videos that, that are kind of like the yeah, the in the intro which we think are kind of the Roy family, maybe 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 not, it doesn't yeah. really matter. But like you think about it, Logan's like main life was with the mom of these three kids. Right. So Connor was already kind of like an outsider to that whole situation. Sort of an outlier there yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, here's one that I've got for you. And I'm, I'm actually going to combine my second and third because the more I think about it, the more a show with them together makes sense. But another character that I think is underrated that I'd like to see more of is Stewie. Stewie. One one big reason is because you could tell me that Stewie was 32 and I would believe you. I would also believe if you told me he was 45. I just don't know. Yep, he's one of those guys. Um, but uh, he is obviously another shrewd business mind. He likes to party. So he, he knows Kendall from way back when. Kendall was obviously involved in the business workings of Waystar Royco. Right. Before he shit the bed on this, you know, attempted coup. Yeah. And they life. they knew each other. They like did some deals together. They maybe went to college together, I believe. So let's get like basically it's billions meets entourage. Yeah. In Stewie and Kendall doing their shit in college and immediately post grad. Oh, I'd watch Stewie and Kendall all day. <laughs> I just it just hit me. The other thing Connor Roy never recovered from is when he stole his dad's car out of the garage and it, it flew oh, off the yeah. cliff or whatever. Yeah. He did that, that was shouldn't let his boy Ferris talk him into that no. shit. Yeah, Logan has not really forgotten that. Dumbass mistake. Dumbass mistake. Hey, let's talk about the Benioff and Weiss Netflix deal briefly okay. as well. Okay, all right. Um, so Deadline and many others have, have since released speculatory details surrounding the new deal be- of, between Benioff and Weiss and Netflix. And I don't even know that we've discussed the fact that they even got a deal at all, have we? Uh, you know what? I don't know if I don't know if we have. Well, it's their first. Obviously, it matters to us because we formally are the number one Game of Thrones podcast in the realm. And Benioff and Weiss were the showrunners of Game of Thrones, and uh, it was a controversial ending to the series with the last. I, I know I've talked to this about some to, to, to talked about this with somebody, but I can't remember if it was on the pod or not. We Anyways, briefly, continue. Yeah. We may have briefly mentioned it at some point, but no details. Um, apparently, the situation was this: they were being courted by six different studios, and it was essentially all the ones you can imagine. It was HBO, Netflix. Amazon, all the big, all the big dogs, uh, for their next whatever they were going to focus on next, the, a long-term deal that would give them the production needs to to do projects, I guess. Um, who they ended up going with exclusively is Netflix, and it's a deal to write, produce, and direct new series and films. Now we don't know any specifics around them what that fucking means, but. It's a pretty big deal and is rumored to be five years up to as much as $300 million, which is a lot of yes, moolah. That's quite a stack of cheddar. Um, what do you expect to see from these dudes in the future? Like, I don't even know what... Are they just going to go back to making, like, more normal shit? Like, this was such I, dude, a I, random I, thing I, for I, them. I don't know. Our buddy in, in, our, in our, one of our group chats 
is is kind of he's totally out on Benioff and Weiss as creatives because of their final se- final, season the final season mishandling of uh, of Game of Thrones. I-, I tend to disagree with that pretty wholeheartedly. I'm not like look. I'm not. I'll never be able to look away from David Benioff sitting there on that post episode recap telling me that Daenerys just forgot about the Iron Fleet. Like, I'll never forget that. Right. But these guys handled what for me was the best show of all time in one of the six seasons of just like A++++ acing television. That's the thing that keeps me from being and truly like, angry. So, so I, I, and yes, I know that they had some of the best source material ever to work with. Fair enough. But the, the but the the fact remains that they successfully shepherded a book series that was supposed to be written so that it could never be on screen and they did it really really well. They did it well enough to make it the biggest thing in the world for, the for mat- like for, 8 years. Yeah. So like I like yes, I know that they kind of botched that final season. I get it. But I don't think that you just like throw these guys out as you know untalented nitwits because of that i'm with you it's those first five six seasons that really i'm like they get a pass from me forever really yeah now if their star wars trilogy is garbage and the first type of stuff that they put out with netflix sucks then it's going to be a totally different story just as from from a for for a larger conversation here one of the things that i'm interested to see netflix do is can is continue making really good stuff right because they've had they for my money right now they've had like one movie that they really put time and effort into which was roma which was nominated for the academy award right and then a lot of the other stuff that they've made has been almost like purposefully like b minuses and b pluses a lot of adam sandler type of shit the adam sandler stuff the the other rom-coms that they're making like the triple frontier movie like will smith one with the aliens yeah it's just very like we know what it's like. Hey, we know what you do with Netflix is just throw on the office on the background while you're cooking or doing other shit or looking at your phone. And so here's some other stuff that you might also like to have on in the background with people that are vaguely familiar and like stuff that's like kind of good. Right. So what well, I'm really, really, really looking forward to this movie, The Irishman, that they have uh-huh. dropping pretty soon, just to see if they can like really put their weight behind something that is quality. Quality. Let me ask you something. Yeah. So the way that works is it. I know for some of their projects, it's they're going out and saying, we want to make this in the Netflix studio. We're going to make, we're going to be in charge of this. We want to make this. And then they go hire the people and they make it. And that's a Netflix original series or movie or whatever. Mm. But in some cases, they're purchasing things that were made. Yes. And then calling it a Netflix original. Yeah. Like documentaries. Right. Those aren't being, it's not Netflix isn't like, all right. Now we're going to commission 400 documentaries. Yeah. Here's the money. Dish it out to all these documentary makers and we'll reap the benefits in a few years. No, the documentary makers make the documentaries. They come to the different networks and they say, we want to sell you our documentary. Who wants to pay the most money? Yes. And that's how you get a Netflix original documentary. So I wonder in the case of a lot of these movies, does it work similarly or how often are they like purchasing a film before it's made versus after or with the big budget stuff, it's all before, right? It's got to be. Yeah, yes, usually. And they they're in that in that way they're operating kind of like, like a movie, movie studio. studios have in the past because what sometimes what will happen is uh, a a movie will debut at a festival, Sundance or Cannes or whatever. Right. 
and it doesn't have a distribution partner yet or it doesn't have like a studio behind it yet, but it was financed by, you know, some rich dude or some like indie studio or whatever. College could have took out a loan in some cases. Yeah. And then like Netflix or Paramount or whoever swoops in and like purchases the purchases the rights to that movie and then it's theirs. Right. Another thing that Netflix has done is they've saved stuff off like the scrap heap, like the Clover to Cloverfield Paradox movie. Oh yeah. Which I think got made and then like shelved for some reason. Huh. And Netflix just went and, and were like, Oh, we'll have that and bought it. Okay. And then turned it into a post Super Bowl like event thing. But then other times in in, in these cases where like they hire Ryan Murphy or they hire Shonda Rhimes or they hire Benny Off and Weiss. Right. They're like hiring these people as auteurs to come in and basically be like, here's your cash. Make us some good shit. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So it works just both ways. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Um, I'm with you though. I hope they, it did feel like they certainly focused more on like, all right, fling shit at the wall as much of it as possible. I would like to see them hone in a little more, get back to quality. Yeah. And uh, and see how they can do with that. And I hope Benioff and Weiss, for the sake of like, honestly, I think if they shit the rest of their careers, it will change the long term legacy of Game of Thrones a little bit. It, it will make it a little bit more of like an a, like maybe they got lucky. I think you're yes. You know what I, I do, mean. You are you're correct. So hopefully, I wish them well. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Vincero Watches. These things are incredible. You are not going to find a sexier value for a watch in this industry. In the watch industry, it cannot be done. I just got my first Vincero and will definitely be getting more. Barrett just got his first Vincero as well. He's literally fucking looking at it. I'm on putting his it on right now. Shining I'm just, wrist. I'm over, here, I'm over here feeling like my favorite rapper. Do you know who my favorite rapper is? Who's your favorite rapper? It's Trinidad James. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, it's gold all on my watch. It's, it's all gold everything. It's all gold everything. Yeah. It's you. This is the, uh, this is the Kairos. Oh, God, yeah. That, Kairos. That feels good when you say it. I've yeah. got the rogue. Rogue. The rogue. In, in, I've got a little big. It's rose gold. Yeah, that gang and not know. But look up the look up the two. The Cairo Barrett's Cairo. Mine's the rogue. You can look them up uh, on uh, what the fuck? Where's the damn website? VinceroWatches.com. Come on, Ross, you dumbass, you stupid fool. Um, look up both the ones that Barrett and I got. Right now, they're having their biggest sale of the year. Adventure watches elevate your game with their handcrafted luxury watches at unbeatable prices seriously absurd price points and right now they're never going to be lower than this the more you shop the more you save you could literally save hundreds this only happens once a year everything on site is on sale no exclusions even the all new collection they just dropped is available on sale Ventura just dropped two new collections and a line of men's wallets all on sale Products do sell out. Do not wait to buy. When it comes to watches, this is the best bang for your buck you will ever get, ever. You will never see watches of this caliber on sale. You can't pass up this deal. It is that good. Vincero has hit the five-year milestone. They have over 17,000 five-star reviews, so you know they're doing something right. If you have been waiting to check this brand out, there's never been a better time to shop. Not only are the watches incredible, the guys behind the brand are just as cool. They put all their focus on the customer, and that's why Vincero has gotten to where they are today. They offer free shipping worldwide, so there's no excuse not to check them out. They have collections for men and women. They offer engraving on select styles. Treat yourself or shop for a friend or whatever. Go to VinceroWatches.com and take advantage of the great discounts on top of their already affordable watches. That's V-I-N-C-E-R-O Watches.com, VinceroWatches.com, to shop their biggest sale of the year. VinceroWatches.com. Do it today. Barrett. Went and saw The Lion King. Ah, uh, why? First Went, question. Uh, uh, Taylor bought tickets. Okay. 
Second question? You got any more questions? Any, any more brain busters? I, I just like on a scale of one to I ten. I didn't want to go. Okay. Well, yeah. What was your my? That's I didn't want to go. What was your interest level in the movie? Zero. Okay. Zero point zero. And uh, I'm not in for this shit. All right. Beauty and the Beast got me, and even that, I was like, okay. When it was all said and done, I was happy I saw it, but eh, it's weird. Okay. I, so yeah. So tell me about what the experience was like. What'd you think? So Tay bought tickets. We go see the Lion King, and uh, look, it was. It was solid. Like, as an accomplishment, it is solid. It is not good. <laughs> it's not bad, though. It's just solid. And that's not good enough for as much money as they spent. It's enjoyable, but it's like too many times during the movie, I found myself wish- wishing I was watching the original Lion King. Yeah, yeah. I was like, why am I watching CGI animals frolic on screen? The- yeah. They're not even real animals. What am I doing? If they're not going to be real animals, they might as well be animated and fun. The- yeah, this was... This was one of the weirdest things to me about this particular quote unquote live action remake. Like when this was originally announced and it was like, it's going to be a live action Lion King remake starring Childish Gambino slash Donald Glover and Beyonce. Right. I was like, wait, what does that mean? Live action is supposed to be like real life, but they obviously they're not going to use. You can't train a bunch of lions and jungle animals and giraffes right. and monkeys to like go sing the circle of life. Like what? How? What are they going to exactly. do? Exactly. And it so never that never really made sense. That fundamentally is, from the get go. Right. So you know, much like Cats, two thousand nineteen, the musical. I just was kind of like, what? What's what's going on here with Fair, the? We, with, don't, we, don't, we don't. We don't say that with here. the visual. With the visual language that they're attempting to use, whereas so, like you know Mulan, that's kind of cool because it's actually just real people. They're they're making the real movie, right? Yes, it doesn't it doesn't pan out well. Um, it's because that's the thing you keep thinking to like, what, it's not even a real lion. What am I doing? Like, it's talking. This is fucking weird. It's just weird. It doesn't really work. And like you mentioned, Beyonce, every time she speaks as Nala, takes me right out of it, dude. Because you're just like that's Beyonce. Yes. <laughs> Out of note, you're watching a movie that you're already try- having to try pretty fucking hard to put yourself into because it's fake animals, mm-hmm. not even cool drawn ones. And then and then Beyonce will say something and you're like, okay. And at one point, I'm not shitting you, she says something like, Simba, you have to remember. And I remember thinking to myself, I fucking guarantee you, she said when she read that line the first time, Simba, you have to remember because that's how Beyonce talks. And they had to tell her, holy shit, you have to reread it because it can't rhyme. That sounds too stupid. <laughs> and I, that was one of the things I thought about for the majority of the time in the theater. <laughs> Timon and Pumbaa were fantastic. Okay, yeah. They're unreal. But they're the stars of the show. They're yeah. the best part of the movie, bar none, unbelievable. The rest of it, I like I said, too many moments I found myself wishing I was watching the original Lion King. I'd rather watch the original Lion King. I, I would, I'll say this. I would hit play on these movies Probably Aladdin too, if they're ever available on streaming or which they will be, I'm sure, on Disney Plus. And uh yeah. I'll do Aladdin at some point. Yeah. Just for some self loathing. Like, I kinda I kinda wanna see Will Smith do the blue genie thing, even though I know it's awful. Fuck, it's gonna be so bad yeah. though, dude. It's gonna be so bad. See, like it's almost like now, no, no, never mind. I'm out. I'm out on Aladdin. Can't do it. Anyway, that'll do it for today's episode of OCC. Huge thanks to our sponsors again for supporting the show. Barrett, you have one more thing. Uh, before we close up, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I am. I'm going to do something really mean. I'm bumping something that I had today. Okay. To our Patreon episode. Wow. Yeah, and it's going to be one that you're going to want to hear. But I just decided right here and now 
that if you needed a little bit more incentive, oh my I'm going to be breaking down my review of the Witcher trailer. Oh, yes. On the Patreon episode here that we're recording in like 10 minutes. I'm just, I'm going to give you my thoughts. So Witcher Hive, Witcher Hive, if you want to hear it, if you want to hear my takes. This is huge. I'm, I'm, I, I was going to do it today. I've decided to uh, be withholding. And I'm going to do it on Patreon instead. It's like you that's, get off on being with because that's my that's my prerogative. Like wow. Britney, like Britney Spears told me. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, huge thanks to our sponsors again for supporting the show. Make sure you support them to support us. And if for some reason you don't need the greatest products known to man, which are brought to you by the sponsors of this show, you can support us at the place Barrett just mentioned, Patreon.com/slash Oysters Clams Cockles, where we will be recording our podcast about uh, season one, episodes four through six of Fleabag. As soon as we're done here. And then Barrett's going to be uh, doing his Witcher trailer breakdown. So you can look forward to that as well. We also, as, as we talked about at the top of the show, we did our movie club this month. was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was fantastic. We had a ton of fun discussing. Go to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles to join one of the three available tiers, only two of which will provide you with additional ad-free and exclusive podcasts each month. Follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles. We're on Twitter at Clams and Cockles. We're on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. You can follow me, Ross Bolin, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at WRBolin, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N. And you can listen to my other show, the Ross Bolin Podcast, available wherever Oysters, Clams, and Cockles uh, is available. Barrett, where can everybody follow you and hear more from you? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Barrett Dudley. And then check out my other podcast, The Club Cool Podcast, where we meet at the intersection of style and pop culture. We've got great new episodes coming for you. It should be really fun and exciting. And I encourage you to uh, to find out more on the Instagram account for uh, that podcast, which is at Club Cool Pod. There you go. How about that? Hope you all enjoyed today's show. We are out of here. Adios, muchachos.